Hello and welcome to Feel No Shame, a podcast created to normalize conversations around the subject of suicide. The Feel No Shame podcast does not endorse or encourage suicidal behaviors or deliberate self-harm. Instead, we promote open and safe discussion around suicidal thoughts and feelings as well as how to manage them. If you are affected by anything we talk about on today's podcast and feel like you need somebody to speak to, please call the Samaritans any day, any time on 116-123. If you'd like to get in touch with us, please email feelnoshamepod at gmail.com or follow Feel No Shame Pod on Instagram and Facebook. Take care and enjoy the episode. Hello and welcome to the Feel No Shame podcast with me, Rowan Long. And me, Alan Aldersley Byrne, a very long-winded, posh surname. Welcome to the podcast, everyone. We are discussing a trauma-informed practice, trauma-informed ways of approaching suicidal uh, feelings and of supporting a person who may be experiencing suicidal feelings. But before that, We'll do some quick intros because this is the first episode of series one of Feel No Shame. How are you feeling, Alan? I'm good. How are you feeling, Rowan? I'm feeling good as well. I've realised that my heater is too hot, so I'm going to bend down slightly, turn it off, and I'm back. It's a lovely um, backdrop, by the way. It's a lovely. Well, backdrop. this is this is a summer house that I um I work in. So as you know, but the listeners may not know, I am a counsellor. I am a therapist. And I work out here in my summer house um, in the pandemic. It's all been Zoom sessions out here. I used to have people in here, but it's very, very small. So this has been turned into a Zoom room. Um, but yeah, it's a nice colour. It's yellow. It's calming. There's this big photograph here of a flower with a bee on it, which I took. Um, but that's going to be changed soon as well. I like to change things around in here. But it does look nice. It's not a shed. It's a summer house. Maybe we could do a feature every every episode where you change things around and people have to think, oh, what's he changed? And mm. then they, they win a pen. Maybe. Mm, I, I, well, funny you should mention, I've lost a pen in here somewhere. So that could also be a mini game in this podcast series. <laughs> Somebody help me find my pen in an eight by eight summer house because I can't find it. You'll get all the web sleuths all over you. you know. But uh, yeah. I tell you what I won't change in here, though, Al. What? That's my non-judgmental, warm and compassionate way of looking at suicidal feelings. That's what this podcast is going to be all about. But um, do you want to introduce yourself as well? Yes, absolutely. Um, hi, everyone. Um, I'm Al. Um, in my in my bio, it sounds a bit sort of um, you know, not pandemic-y, but in my biography on the uh, Feel No Shame uh, social media uh, atmosphere or arena uh where are you putting the bio by the way is it just on at social media feel no shame pod yeah at feel no shame pod search for that on facebook or instagram um brilliant. and we're on there brilliant um yeah just saying i don't like alan i mean that's just my that's my formal name so you can call me al as simon and garfunkel once said uh, or just paul simon it was just paul simon with mm. a cameo by chevy chase Anyway, uh, yeah, um, the whole point of me being here is to um, get involved with my, my well, you're my best friend. Um, and ultimately, I want to help. I, I, I know how to edit uh, to, to some sort of extent. Um, and I want to, as it says in my bio, I want to help 
bridge the the light and the dark um because the the these conversations are going to be we are going to go down a path um but we want to raise awareness that it's okay to go down that path it's okay to have those thoughts and feelings but it's also important to to talk about them uh when and wherever you can um so i'm here because i like to edit i like to help my friends um and just in general i like to talk um and listen so bring it on looking forward to it you are hired i will send the other ones away um they weren't very good anyway so yeah you're hired you're definitely in and we both also we both work with people in different capacities who may be experiencing suicidal thoughts or have experienced suicidal thoughts and um and i don't know about you but for me um there can be a huge amount of shame involved when people are talking to me about their suicidal thoughts um without going too much into myself when i've had suicidal thoughts in the past i felt a huge degree of shame um massive which which kept me from talking about it with anyone really until it got to some really desperate times when there was no choice but to talk about it but um but since then i've been on a journey al i've been on a journey and I found out, I've stopped doing that voice now. I've been on a journey. Oh, no, I, I like found, it. <laughs> I, like I found it. out that, um, that there are ways to take the shame out and that suicidal feelings are a lot more normal uh, than people may think. And mm. the stigma attached doesn't help at all. Um, the, the kind of panic and worry that, that, that is a, a natural offshoot of somebody mentioning suicidal thoughts doesn't really help at all. So we're here to try and take some of the shame out we want to hear people tell their stories not necessarily about the triggers or about the ins and outs of their suicidal feelings um their behaviors their actions but we want to hear the stories behind the feelings and uh, uh today's episode we'll be looking at what may happen to lead a person to have um suicidal uh, feelings in the future we're going to be looking at uh, trauma-informed practice and adverse childhood experiences. Yes. It sounds weird, but I love adverse childhood experiences, comma, researching, if that makes sense. I like researching adverse childhood experiences. I don't like the experiences themselves. They're adverse. But um, but for me, again, finding out that adverse childhood experiences exist and can lead to stuff later in life just makes a lot of sense and helps create a narrative that makes sense takes the shame away takes the blame away um there's a hard uh, a whole lot of hard work but uh but very very fulfilling once you get into it absolutely yeah um i'll be more than happy to offer my um insight if you can call it that um being a champion of um of thriving from uh trauma um not thriving off it but but using it as a as an advocate into your daily routine uh why you would experience it how you can develop it uh and and just understanding it and and why in the past it's potentially been uh, a a cause of concern um which then could lead to potential thoughts uh dark thoughts suicidal thoughts as well um but yeah um you just tell me what what you want to know ro and I'll do what I can. But yeah, just looking forward to starting the episode off um, and get going. Let's go.
Yeah. So, um, what we would normally do on one of these episodes is we'd have a guest. So, we've got some guests lined up, and they're ordinary people with extraordinary tales. Um, but a whole lot of. There's a well, song there, isn't there? Anyway, yeah. Someone turn that radio off. Um, we're recording. So, yeah, we've got some we've got some people who not only have stories to tell, but also have a lot of experience and knowledge to share, which have come partly from those stories. Um, so so that would be very interesting. Stay tuned, kids. But for today, we have a, a another interesting guest, and his name is you, because we, we both work in a trauma-informed way, um, but sometimes trauma doesn't come into my sessions, and sometimes um, suicidal thoughts don't come into my sessions. Uh, whereas you, you tend to work in, in quite a heavy way um, and you may have more experience of this. So um, if you're happy to explain more about uh, trauma informed practice, adverse childhood experiences, everything that comes with it. Um, I'll chip in every now and again. Um, I'll keep moving so that you don't think that my my stream is buffering or anything like that. Um, let's do that. How does that sound? Sounds great. Absolutely fine. Um, yeah. So, from from my uh, from my experience working uh, in the job that I'm in, um, it's it's every day. Uh, I might not experience it, but I know that um, victims, uh, as well as uh, people that come to assist, they they will see potentially trauma uh, every day. Um, the the way I see uh, trauma informed practice is that with trauma, it can be caused by toxic stress um which can and and the way i look at it is uh, and this will be great for the for the video but not great for the audio side of things but if you can picture your fist or your hand and you wrap your thumb into your palm and then cover your uh thumb with your four fingers that is potentially your frontal lobe that's the that's the core area uh, of where um, you function, your animalistic side of, of the brain as well. Um, and, and if anyone wants to um, debate on that uh, when they listen or see it, please feel free to have a chat uh, and we'll, we'll talk about it. But this is how I this is how I look at it and easily regulate what trauma informed practice is and how an adverse experience you know, helps with this sort of uh, demo. But when you're in that situation and toxic stress is all around um memories um the, the feelings of those memories um that you're not able to potentially regulate the mm. the stress that's about to happen so what what then has to happen is that the the chemical imbalance in the brain then flips mm. um and your frontal lobe is there and there's nowhere to comfort it it goes all Alan over the has place. opened his palm yes thank you for the audio description um so that's what's known as flipping your lid. So the lid it covers the frontal lobe, and once that is lifted, you're you're open to the elements, and you might not be able at that point able to understand what actions may affect others. So if you do something, you're not in that right frame. You won't be able to regulate how others may perceive it. Um, you you possibly won't be able to interpret other people's behaviours accurately as well. Um, and that is all about toxic stress from potentially adverse childhood experiences that have happened in the mm. past, such as abuse, such as poor um, nutrition, poor, poor loving, a anything that has been around. That's exactly it. Um, but 
with being in being up to up to a skill level knowing about trauma informed practice mm. it can help you uh, as a practitioner um, mm. and as someone working with young people or anyone any demographic it can help you to be compassionate and understand that their behaviors are indicators of past trauma um, mm. so if they do one minute start chatting and, and then all of a sudden they f- they flip you can understand okay this is this is this is normal um mm. it can adapt you can it can actually help you adapt your practice um and it can potentially ease the trauma because you're able to understand it you're able to know p- potentially certain triggers um and it can then reduce further trauma throughout your discussions with said person or persons so it's all about i feel I feel it's all about damage limitation. If you see ha- something happening that is traumatic, you learn from it and you're able to then inside your mind, able to process it potentially once you're aware of of, of, of certain research. So certain, mm. Certainly for me, um, this is how I do it with the, the fist. And, mm. and whenever I get into a stressful situation at work or at home where I've got a near four-year-old running around screaming shouting at the top of his voice i've only had x amount of hours of sleep i then can re- retract back and go okay how did i learn from a, an experience in the past where i got angry or i i should have I, sh- I should have calmed myself i should have taken myself away into the kitchen or looked at my fa- anything like that it's mm. all about processing in your own mind about mm. how you don't need to go down that road again Okay, and it's easy saying it, but I think with trauma-informed practice, it's just about reassessing constantly, reassessing you as a person to see, okay, I'm I'm in a place now where my lid is not flipped. What made me get to that point? Why do I have to go to that point again? Um, mm. So that's that's something that you know, in a in a soundbite, I can I can potentially mention about it. But it's all about identifying triggers as well. It's mm. identifying potential smells. It's identifying potential um, areas where you want you'll be talking to a person. Do they like talking to male or or female um, members of society? It's all about how you work with that person, okay? Because everyone is different, um, mm. and and if you're discussing certain things and they're not comfortable, you reassess that and you turn it into a, another activity or something else that will keep them on side, if that makes mm. sense. But it's all about um, just not shocking anymore and that Mm. for me i think for me um the shock treatment and the shock value yes it works sometimes um but on the whole i think we we don't want to we don't want to upset or we don't want to scare because because scaring people for me um it it, it's only a short-term fix um the the, the, exactly yeah i just use a simple example of um the 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 adverts on on the telly if you hit me at 30 there's a certain percentage and you see the the young girl cold as ice dead on the floor and then all of a sudden she she's awake because the car has slowed down to 20 miles an hour um there's a time and a place for it um but i i i certainly feel as though we we need to educate rather than just whack something on the screen and go look at this this is meant to scare you i don't like that um, mm. So it's all about um, research, education, constant education. Um, and, and I think personally, a lot of um, 
a lot of partner agencies, a lot of agencies that are local and national are waking up to that. Mm. Um, but that's that's my two cents on the matter. Yeah, and and to to bring it back to the identification of the triggers. So yeah. if we bring suicidal thoughts in, identifying Absolutely. the triggers is of vital importance because yeah. otherwise um, a person is constantly flipping between not feeling suicidal and feeling suicidal and with no awareness as to why that may be happening. Um, be, that yeah. can cause a multitude of problems. They could be putting themselves in harm's way every time they approach a certain street or um, talk to a certain person or if that person represents something, if they're talking to a man with a beard, that can cause those feelings over and over again. And if they if they don't know that that is a trigger, um, like I mentioned before, not only are they putting themselves continually in harm's way, but also, again, that, that sense of shame comes in. Why am I feeling this way? Why do I feel so awful for no reason? And yeah. the answer is there is a reason, but maybe that's outside of that person's awareness or it's so buried in the subconscious that it is that, that not able to be reached. I was going to highlight that, Ro, because it is the desensitization. I mean, this is big, big words are coming out now, but it's the desensitization, the mm. unconscious process that mm. happens with interactions with other people. And th they're doing it without knowing they're doing it, as you just, mm -hmm. you know, as you just mentioned. And those certain triggers need to it, it's going down the rabbit hole. Um, mm. But but that's why it's it's essential that we have people that we can confide in people that we can talk to people that we mm. can that people uh, trusted adults or indeed trusted trusted mentors really mm. um and yeah I'm, I'm, I'm just really happy that again a lot of agencies are waking up to it mm. okay. yeah it's the realization that just telling somebody to stop feeling something yeah. or stop doing something that they are relying <laughs> upon it doesn't work because <laughs> okay. either how, they stop doing it and replace it with <laughs> they stop doing it and replace it with something else yeah. or you tell them to stop and they say no and then they never talk to you ever again quite rightly because you haven't entered into their world you've tried to drag them into yours without trying to find out why they do what they do or, or why they feel what they feel or why they think what they think um that seems to be a, a, a bit of a paradigm shift it sounds like yeah and the way i see it is stop drinking okay what do you want me to do now you know i don't know but stop drinking okay i'll just take drugs then you know so it's that it's that mantra mm. um so yeah um fully fully agreeing with what you're saying yeah. mm. and um and in t well I, I should mention as well there's a wonderful book by a man called pete walker we can put the link to this somewhere uh probably on the youtube description um but we'll put it on the social media when this episode yeah. comes out as well a book by pete walker called um complex ptsd from surviving to thriving and um complex ptsd isn't so much a diagnosis at all um but it does it does explain very well what somebody might be going through if they have experienced toxic mm -hmm. stress particularly yeah. whilst growing up um and complex ptsd is more like a collection of symptoms um experiences memories thoughts, feelings. But what he does explain in there is a concept called emotional flashbacks, which is something um, that my clients will will ask me about um, without necessarily knowing the name, where you suddenly just feel awful, um, just seemingly out of nowhere. Um, you might be thinking certain things. You might feel those intense suicidal thoughts where you just want to escape yourself at that point. 
and uh, and there's no obvious cues or triggers but emotional flashbacks can come from literally the smallest of cues and triggers so if 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 you're walking around the supermarket mask on um but you catch uh, a a sort of a scent of a checkout person's perfume and it reminds you of the perfume mm. that your auntie was wearing when she was berating you when you were six years old um that will be completely out of the subconscious but the the body remembers there's another another really good book i'm going to mention in a bit um but the body remembers and it sends those same cues uh, those same signals up to the brain to tell you that you're in imminent danger you're going to be berated by your auntie again you're going to feel like you're terrified you're going to feel like you're experiencing intense fear and that you just cannot escape even if you're a 34 year old man in a supermarket for example so you're not six years old being berated by your auntie but your brain thinks that you are and yeah. along with those feelings can come that feeling of just wanting to escape and if there is no escape from yourself that's where the suicidal feelings can sometimes come in um but we'll, it, we'll come on to that doesn't it remind you and i know we're going well i'm i'm taking this a little bit off tangent but it's just again triggered a memory um but the film Inside Out is an absolutely mm. fantastic, a fantastic example of absolutely. how it's not just a simple emotion every time. You can blend those emotions to have happiness and sadness together. And even in that film, if if anyone hasn't watched it, yes, it is an animation, but I think it's a beautiful film that actually describes the human condition in, in general. Um, and as we grow and as we develop, it, it's okay to feel happy and sad at the same time um, mm -hmm. and, and the emotions blend. But we as human beings are not born able to regulate stress. We're not able to regulate anything. We, we, we develop that as mm -hmm. we get cared for, as we get uh, put, put on this coil uh, by other self-regulated -reg adults. Um, so it's 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 making sure that if we can identify it at the earliest possibility, at the earliest avenue, it can potentially stop traumatic experience. I mean, we'll never stop it in general. We'll never be able to we'll never be able to do, you know, stop it completely. Mm -hmm. But we can assist with preventing the trauma, the, the trauma that potentially children don't well, should never have to experience. But we you know, if we can identify as 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 podcasters, as as counsellors, as people working for services that for public, mm. um, if we can identify it at the earliest opportunity, then we can take them away from it and then show them what what is on the other side. Um, but just from what you just said, there, there, row just inside out, just reminds me of how, you know, we we see a vision, a golden memory or a horrible memory, and it's shown. And it could be, as you say, thirty-four, but you're viewing it as a six-year-old, and you regress back to that time. But it it's just again. It's just making sure we can regulate that. And how do we regulate it? It's through trauma-informed practice. So, yeah. And, and with, um, with probably very good reason, uh, Inside Out features the basic emotions because it's yes. fundamentally a children's film, uh, children's film, but I agree with you. It's wonderful. It's, yeah. it's incredible. And it, um, it perfectly aligns with a style, uh, a, a method of um, therapy named internal family systems which deals Lovely. with psychological parts so um psychological parts which develop um as adaptations because they feel like they are needed um so i'm in podcaster mode now so i have as a podcaster part which has suddenly burst forth from nowhere 
And um, I don't think I speak like this in real life. I think my my voice will revert back to a normal voice at some point. I want you, I want you to carry on like this, you know, whenever we <laughs> well, meet the up. Podcaster, the podcaster part has adapted and thought, he needs me. I need to be present for this podcast. And it's it's, it's doing an okay job, hopefully. It's taken the seat somewhat. Um, but what Inside Out doesn't mention is that uh, for some of us, there will be a suicidal part or a nihilistic part that develops yeah. at some point. And again, it, it doesn't just develop as a joke. It's not just there for no reason. It has developed and been created because it feels like it's needed. So I'm going to stick with the six-year-old being berated by an aunt. Yeah. So this isn't anything that happened to me. I don't think it's anything that happened to you, but it's something that may happen to some people. And to some people, I should point out as well, if anybody is triggered by anything that we mention in here, um, please feel free to get in touch with us um, on philnoshamepod at gmail.com. Um, and indeed, but hopefully, and, uh, contacts will be at the end and at the beginning, beginning and end of the podcast. Yeah, but hopefully, I can pick uh, um, just creative examples that that don't have a lot of um, relevance to, to anyone. Yeah, um, but let's say there's a six-year-old being berated by their auntie. They can't get out. They can't get away. There's this big adult screaming in this little child's face. That little child may develop a suicidal part or a part that has suicidal feelings. So the way I like to think of it is that um, if you're in a, a room and there's two doors and suddenly the room is on fire and you can't see any other way out, one of these doors is locked, the other door says suicide or escape. Um, your options are to either just sit and wait that fire out. So to sit there and take that auntie's um, horrific treatment just in the face and hope that your body can deal with it and hope that the, the abuse ends at some point and hope that you can then continue on with your life. Or this, this door appears next to the locked door that says suicide. If you escape this, you escape the abuse. Mm -hmm. And that part develops because it feels like it's doing you a favour. It feels like it's exhausted all other possibilities. There is no other way out. This room is on fire. You are going to die anyway. So let's just escape now. And it's it obviously it's not a good door to go through at all. Nobody knows what is the other side. And once you go through that door, there is no coming back. So yeah. that door is absolutely not recommended. But that part that develops at that point genuinely believes that that is the only option to keep that person safe. There's a cruel irony to it because you won't be safe. Um, but it's a question of, I want this abuse to end right now. I can only think of one way to make this abuse end right now. Obviously, as mentioned before, that isn't on Inside Out. But that is a part that develops and sits alongside the happy part, the sad part, the angry part, the podcaster part, the football fan part. Um, not everybody has that part. Some people do, but that part is entirely normal. And that part is an adaptation to um, to a, a, well, a very extreme example. It is uh, an ordinary reaction to an extraordinary situation. And the whole point of this podcast is to basically say, at that point, it's OK to have those thoughts. Mm. It is OK to have those thoughts. Um, yeah, it's when the thoughts turn into actions and behaviours. Yeah, exactly. That's where there's an issue. But but ideally talking to somebody or listening to somebody when they're having those thoughts can go some way to preventing the um, the behaviours and the actions. Yeah. So if we double back to the adverse childhood experiences, Alan, can you tell me what they are? 
I can. I can give you ten of them because it varies because it it can take. Well, they come in many forms. Uh, aces is what we call them. Uh, in yeah. The, in, in in the work that we do adverse childhood experiences aces uh they're not ace they're rubbish um mm. but they do come in many forms um from the physical side um to the mental side of abuse uh neglect um and any any form of dysfunction within the house where you live mm. okay but got, it doesn't physical. always have to be yeah. physical that's a really no. good point it can be bullying exactly. it can be harsh words it can be cruel treatment but it doesn't always have to be physical no, um, the the abuse. I mean, I will talk about the abuse side being mm. physical, but emotional, and unfortunately, for in some cases, sexual um, mm. neglect, where you don't give the physical or the child has not received physical love or um, you know a hug or a kiss or any form of care uh, from their parents uh, or from their um, from their adults um, the emotional neglect as well where the bullying comes in um, the uh, the gaslighting the oh mm. you'll you know example of oh you'll never be good enough or you'll never mm. be able to get to where you are um, that 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 comes into play the dysfunction in the in the household though that can stem from um, incarceration uh, where mm -hmm. um, we, we've seen you know the the likes of Joseph Fritzel um, but that was incarceration within the home um people people suffering domestic abuse inside the home where they are um either drugged or they are suffering from drug addiction or alcoholism um even even in the terms of going th uh, parents going through a divorce mm. um that that can be um a an a, a, an adverse child experience because the child may believe my my stable family is breaking up um, mm. And you, we've seen it in the films. Oh, we get two Christmases. Yeah, you had two birthdays. Yeah, that, mm. that's 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 the way of coping. That's the way mm. of trying to to release that stress. Um, but the the fact that if you're a child as well and seeing the uh, the parent being beaten or or hurt or being treated in a violent way, that can be a child experience, an adverse child experience, which then causes issues with mental health. Um, mm -hmm. Is this uh, is this the way a household should be? Is this the way a family should 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 live? Um, obviously, I don't think so. But as I say, those mm -hmm. are the main those are the main triggers of adverse childhood experiences. Um, and and again, that results to toxic stress. It affects the mind and body um, of mm -hmm. children, and that then to them can then become a, a normality. This is how things are. This is how things should be. And then mm. that follows them into adult life, which then interrupts their building of social skills. It help, it, it deters their potential resilience. Um, and if they don't get that nurturing at a young age, you, you've taken away certain foundations for, mm. for, for adult life. Um, so hopefully that's answered it for you, Ro. And, and yes, <laughs> and, and, it, and it, it emphasizes the point that the, that uh that hypothetical person you just um described from yes. childhood to adulthood their childhood aces will then influence their own children Absolutely. who may then pick up aces who will then go on to be adults and have their own children and their aces influence their aces and it's this one big horrible ace Michael. chain yes. yes um and uh there is well there's a website i'll mention a website here as well a website named aces too high 
which um, which has the ACE questionnaire, which is only 10 questions. And there are 10 questions based around um, before the age of 18, did this happen to you? Did you see this, et cetera, et cetera. Um, there's also a, re a resilience test on there, which I know you're more familiar with. So I sometimes use the ACE questionnaire with my clients. Um, you'll use the resilience questionnaire with the people you work with sometimes. Yes. But yeah. um, but basically for every um, for every yes that you answer of those 10 questions, you get one point. And at the end, you get a score out of 10. And um, there are some graphs uh, on this website, some, some bar charts. We love a graph. Are, they're quite scary actually <laughs> so they do look nice but once you start looking into them you realize they're not nice at all because as the a score increases so too does the likelihood of adulthood depression um alcoholism drug Which abuse leads to those thoughts mm -hmm. of suicide domestic so abuse um, perpetrating domestic abuse comes into it um even stuff like further sexual abuse um mm -hmm. Teenage pregnancy, um, all these, all, well, chronic anxiety, some health conditions as well. COPD can be caused um, by a high, well, not so much by the high A score, but the way of coping with a high A score may be smoking. Smoking can then lead to COPD or lung cancer. And, and there's just a whole host of, of, um, of health concerns that come up if a person has a high um, A score. And... Here's a staggering statistic for you, Alan. You got um, the word. Well, well done. Just about. I'm so flustered by this statistic because if you get a score of four or above on the ACE uh, test, so four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, or 10, you are 1,220% more likely to attempt suicide at some point in your life than if you got a score of three or below on the ACE score, on the ACE questionnaire. And once you see that 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 figure, you can kind of well, your mind can be blown a little bit. But if we come back a little bit and look at it from outside, it makes sense that for somebody who has been through four or more adverse childhood experiences, that at some point in their life they would feel so overwhelmed, so dysregulated, so emotionally dysregulated, um, perhaps so unable to talk about what they've gone through, unable to find anybody to listen to them um, or anybody they feel comfortable trusting because again if you've been through adverse childhood experiences you're very unlikely to want to trust anybody um, it makes sense that at some point again that suicidal part that we mentioned using the inside out film um, would creep into view and say i know a way out of this life mm -hmm. i know a way that you can shuffle off this mortal coil and make all the pain go away and Again, it's understandable why that part would be so tempting and would be um, would be like the the snake in the little prince, just to give another uh, fairly obscure literary reference. But um, but again, as a counselor, I feel like it's my duty at this point and my responsibility to look everybody directly in the eye or ears because it's a podcast and just say that there is another way out yeah. and it doesn't always have to be like that. Um, just because you've gone through adverse childhood experiences doesn't mean that your life is written off. And if you take a look at that website, Ace is Too High, take a look at those bar charts, it doesn't necessarily mean that if you get a score of four and above, you're going to attempt suicide, you're going to be an alcoholic, you're going to abuse drugs. 
it's just about the likelihood. But again, I think like you mentioned way back at the start, once you start noticing these things, once you start noticing these triggers, but also once you start noticing your aces and once you start saying, hang on a second, maybe the reason why you keep getting into self-destructive relationships is because of a relationship you were in when you were 13 with somebody older, perhaps. Um, and once you start developing that narrative, you start taking the blame away from yourself. You start hopefully eradicating some of the shame away from yourself. And it's not about pointing fingers per se. It's not about saying, well, I feel suicidal because I had awful parents because I don't know, maybe that can be a healthy way of coping, but it doesn't always have to be about attributing blame to anybody. It can just be a case of, I went through all this stuff when I was a kid and look at me now, look at how I've coped. Look at how well I've actually done considering what I've been through. I've conquered my adversity and now I can move on. And I, I make that sound so simple. It's a very hard process, but, but here we go then. So I've got my ACEs. I understand my triggers. Um, I felt suicidal. What do I do? For me, it's, it's acknowledging that these are these are coping strategies these are coping mechanisms but i'm not i'm, I'm going to play a bit of tennis with you ro mm, what, do you, okay. what do you want to do you've you've identified these issues you've identified the 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 childhood experiences that have triggered these um thoughts and feelings what you you say what what do i do but what uh, it, it's just repeating the question it really is. It's, you say, what, do, what do I do? do? What do you do? Yeah. What do you do? You say what? Um, <laughs> Very good. That voice came from either. I'm, I'm, that, well, that's staying I, in. What, that's staying what, in. I, what I did, Al, what I actually did, so I'm happy to talk briefly about this, but what I actually did once I discovered I had a few aces under my belt, I, I've never met anybody that hasn't got any aces. Oh, I've got aces. Um, I'm not up to my eyeballs, but I've got I've got a couple of aces, you know, back in the day. Um where I wanted to please everyone. I wanted to make sure, oh, I, I want to make everyone happy. I want to make sure everyone around me uh, is happy and they like me and they love me. So I'm going to tell them anything they want to hear, whether it was it's a lie or a truth. Influencing your behaviours. Yeah, yeah. And I identified that very uh, quickly into my relationship with um, my now wife, um, who basically said, why are you acting as if you need to please everyone? Um, mm. and, and that for me was a wake up call where I said, right, take me as I am. Um, you either love me or hate me and not, not in the, you know, I'm like Marmite. Ugh. I'm, I'm not, pff, I, I do like Marmite, but, um, you, you can't please everyone. That was the ultimate uh, conclusion and try as you might, if they don't want your time, you don't spend the time wisely with them. Um, but that was an ace definitely for me. Um, as mm. a, you know, just just as a just as a quick example. Um, but what what you know, you've asked me what what do I do, but what do you want to do? Yeah. So well, what what I did mentioning marmite by the way, there's a new marmite with chili. Have you seen that? I haven't oh. tried it, but Ooh. there we go. Um, what I actually did was I um, well I let it overwhelm me, which isn't the the best idea. So I didn't I didn't know my aces until late on, and then um, once I was kind of down in the pit. There was nothing else to do but examine the aces. And then I took them to therapy. And this isn't just one big advert. This isn't me saying, therapy is great. That's the whole point of the podcast. But it will be a recurring theme because it is great. It's really, really hard. It's really, really difficult. And particularly if you 
aren't aware of any aces yeah. and you aren't aware of, of your triggers, it can be a real shock to the system in looking back and finding them and rewriting the narrative. And um, and someone actually said to me that the, the healing hurts more than the break sometimes. And that's definitely the case sometimes. But once you're healed or healing, maybe nobody can ever truly be 100% healed. But once you're healing, once you're in a better position than when you started therapy, for example, it feels so good. Oh, so you can acknowledge yeah. the aces without them overwhelming you. And you can acknowledge the aces without them influencing your behaviours to such an extent as they were before. So that was what I did anyway. So I would recommend that to, to anybody who's down with therapy. Um, phew, compassion. Here's another word that I'll mention yes. every single week, hopefully. Compassion, self-compassion particularly. To, to some extent, if, if the possibility is there, compassion for people who have inflicted aces sometimes. So that isn't always a given because if somebody has deliberately inflicted an ace if somebody has deliberately inflicted malice and deliberate harm upon somebody that's going to take a whole load of forgiveness and and i wouldn't say that's obligatory at all but if you can see that the people inflicting aces were just trying their best with what they had at the time maybe they were emotionally dysregulated maybe they weren't aware of their triggers and it's really hard. It's a really hard ask to look somebody in the face, look a bully in the face and say, yeah. I forgive you. I love you. But compassion is a really powerful thing. But let's stick with self-compassion for now, because self-compassion is, um, is, is a great thing, too. It's where you look at yourself and you say, yes, I've been through all this stuff. I've been through the worst things that anybody can ever imagine. And I've blamed myself for so long. And now I'm going to look at that. I'm going to look at myself as if I was a child. I'm going to I'm going to kind of use the power of imagination and put that child version of myself in front of myself, get down to his or her level, just hold him gently on the shoulders and say, it's not your fault. I love you. It's not your fault. Something a beautiful image. Line. Beautiful image and of it, you holding you. you know, yeah. Exactly. And, and sometimes that's what we have to do. It's a concept called reparenting, which is probably a tale for another time as well. But where we learn to look after ourselves the way that we weren't perhaps looked after when we were younger. Mm. Um, so therapy, compassion, overall kindness, that's good too. Um, so just because you were done unto doesn't mean that you need to do it unto others. Mm. If you can break those patterns that we mentioned beforehand, if you can break those cycles, if you can be different to what you have programmed, been programmed to be, then, um, then that, there's an almighty shift there in terms of... Um, a settled feeling within yourself and overall happiness. Um, I think you mentioned as well, just hanging out with the right people. So hanging out, hanging out with people who won't see you for your aces or perhaps have an understanding as to why you do certain things. So they're not going to beat you up every time you uh, have a cigarette when you've said that you've quit, for example. They're not going to beat you up. They're going to understand why you're doing what you're doing. They're not exactly going to uh, give you a free pass every time, but they're not, they're not going to drag you down and they're not going to, they're not going to be another attacker to somebody who's had a history of attackers. They'll get you to hold, uh, take, hold your hands up, take responsibility, but not yeah. feel shame. Just feel guilt. Guilt and shame are two different things. This is where I think, and this is a great example. Again, it's just triggered another memory. Um, but for me and you as, as friends, um, I think it really set the precedent for how, I mean, this is from me. I mean, you might mm. feel differently, but the bond grew stronger 
um, when we were at a wedding, uh, one of our, uh, two, two of our good friends got married uh, and I saw a different side to you because you opened up about things that you never really talked about, um, mm. you know, before. And I felt honoured that you got to that point where you were able to confide in me because, you know, wow, okay, that's, that's, uh, I, I, it was horrible to hear certain things, but I thought, wow, you know, you've got to a point where you're able to talk to me about them. And I thought, mm. wow, okay, I, I, I'm in a very, you know, privileged place. Um, and that, that was, you know, your contribution to me helped me open up towards you. Um, so it's the it's the it's the two factors there the contributing factor of opening up and and understanding opening and understanding um, it does start off a chain we were closed up like a couple of old clams Al and then we, we showed each other our pearls yeah that, that's for another episode but uh, yeah no. but it is yeah it is and particularly with to bring it back to suicidal feeling yeah if you find somebody if you're fortunate enough to find somebody or some buddies some buddies to <laughs> to open up about stuff, something Another, that might be your deepest, <laughs> something that might be your deepest darkest feeling um if you can find somebody that you feel comfortable saying you know what i'm feeling quite suicidal today or i'm feeling like i don't want to live anymore if you can find that person who who looks back at you and says tell me more or i'm really sorry to hear that do you want to talk about it it's somebody who who you know that you can share more and more with then it also sets a little template in, in that listener so that when that listener wants to speak to somebody, maybe they reciprocate to that person or they speak to somebody else, but they kind of, they feel like, okay, so I reacted to that person's suicidal thoughts in that way. Maybe this person will react in the same way. I would really like that. And you can also caveat that conversation and say, if I were to speak to you about certain things, I'd really appreciate it if you'd respond in this way. And then you have this big old... Uh, tin cans on strings chain of people just talking about stuff which i mean talking about stuff takes the power out of the feelings a lot of the time particularly if the person responding responds in a kind compassionate gentle understanding non-judgmental way and that doesn't just have to be a counselor that can be a friend that can be a family member that can, be, can be a youth um, club it could be a youth club of all places you know where you decide where things go um, mm. be bean bags instead of chairs um, you know, a uh, table football instead of a, instead of a television, or you know, a, a, all these factors come into play to create that non-toxic environment. And indeed, what you've just said, the compassion needs to be there for for first and foremost. Um, mm. But I, I feel enlightened. I really do. And I'm not just saying that. I feel really enlightened today about this. You know, I've been looking forward to doing it, um, and the conversations I think have exploded um tonight which has been brilliant um yeah uh what do yeah we do? it's probably do, well should we reveal that we haven't planned too much about this first episode we just no. we, I've, I've got five bullet points um the last one uh, instead of putting why is it important to normalize feelings i've put why is it important to normalize feelings so that is the level of prep but i i think it with, with certain subjects I know I'm prepared to just speak from the heart and just kind yeah. of, I don't know, I get on a bit of a roll. That's why I like you to be involved as well, so you can pull me back at times, because otherwise I talk for days and um, <laughs> that wouldn't be good for anybody. So, um, so yeah, we, we're talking about stuff that means a lot to us. And hopefully that does come across. And, and hopefully that excuses the lack of prep sometimes, because 
maybe it sounds a bit rambly and, and we go in different directions and we go off on tangents but that's what a podcast because, is that's what a podcast oh yeah and, and we're talking we're, we're just talking from the heart yes that's it no I think... my last bullet point anyway why is no, it no, important yeah. to normalize feelings what do you reckon why is it important to normalize them um to to lift the veil that was again mm. in my bio it's lifting the veil and and not making it one of those chats where oh we mustn't talk about that um mm. it 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 needs to be discussed it needs to be brought to the forefront great example television 10 15 years ago you would not see on the beeb anything involving drag races or anything involving rupaul with people um it, it, creative uh putting their feelings and putting themselves out there um and 10 15 years ago you wouldn't see that now mm. we're we're embracing the culture we're embracing lgbtq plus which i think is fantastic in mm. and in and as we are uh, recording it is lgbtq plus history month um mm. where where love is love um and 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 that's how i that's how i go into any um uh, attitude of work or any sort of uh, conversation with people you just listen um you understand them um and going back to the the point of why it's important um it, it's just lifting the veil and making sure that you as a counselor me as someone that works in um you know public services um we we just need to be there to help um because mm. there are a lot especially with lockdown especially with how um everyone feels cooped up everyone is being told one thing and then, and then another thing happens people are, are, are breaching things that they shouldn't be um it's it's important to retract back and realize that these feelings that you could be going through whether they be suicidal or just dark dark thoughts um it 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 shouldn't be a taboo anymore um, mm. It should it should not be considered taboo. It should be it should be embraced. It should be discussed. And and it's coming to the forefront now, uh, where we are seeing people bending the knee. We are seeing people taking a stand. We are seeing people address things that would never have been addressed 10, 15, 20 years ago. And this is in, this is within our lifetime, right? Mm -hmm. um, and it it just comes with education, and that's why. For me, this podcast is a little bit of education with a slight twist of, of two mates chatting, um, mm. a bit of humour involved. But it is, it is very important to to reveal those feelings because then something can potentially get done, or those discussions could then become normal. Um, so, so that's my rambling about why it's important to keep those feelings out there. What about you? What do you think? Yeah very much you're singing from my hymn sheet there we're a couple of couple of guys just uh chewing the fat talking about suicidal feelings and um you know like it's often said men don't speak about their feelings men can't speak about their feelings men have to keep it all bottled up and i don't think anyone is allowed to talk about suicidal feelings men women or anyone in between nobody it seems to be just completely off the table and um it's a big and, shock and isn't it it's a big shock yeah. when someone reveals it. It's like, oh, okay. And to go back to my my early teen years, I, I was aware of suicide, but I didn't know what it was. And consequently, you know, there weren't these discussions going around the house or the school or anything like that. So consequently, I was, I mean, maybe it's a common feeling, but I was terrified of death. 
just absolutely terrified for a, probably a good few years and, and also terrified to go to sleep because sleep is similar to death and, and suicide is all in there as well. And I think if I was able to have the conversations back then that people are able to have now and hopefully will be able to have more of, um, not solely down to this podcast, but we hope to help. I mean, we know we're not going to change the world, but if we can change one person's life, that's great. So if somebody hears this and thinks, well, maybe I will attempt to have a conversation about suicidal feelings. And, and if that's, that conversation goes well, then like you said, the knowledge is there and the taboo goes away, hopefully. And it becomes something that, that I mean, I, 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 it will probably always shock because it, it means exiting the world and, and as humans, we don't like that we don't like the concept of that for obvious reasons but if we can mention it in the same way that depression is fairly normalized now anxiety is normalized um if we can kind of just put it out there and people feel like they're allowed to talk about it that's something that annoys me uh, mildly when when some big event happens or or um you know, there's something in the media and the common reaction is we need to do something about this. We should talk more about this. And then nobody does. And I don't know, that really irritates me. So I, I feel like we're, well, we're doing it now. We are doing something. We are talking about it. We want to take the shame out of feeling certain feelings um, and just make it something that can be said without anybody internalizing any of that. I, I want to give you a quick um, difference between guilt and shame, by the way. It's a really nice thing. So guilt, I did something bad. I hold my hands off, I take responsibility. Shame, I am bad. And it just eats away and it just carries on. And then you act as a kind of shame magnet. You find different reasons why you should feel ashamed of yourself. And if suicidal feelings are already in the mix, then you have a huge amount of evidence for the podcast listeners. I'm doing that, the bunny ear things with my fingers. Rowan, there's a huge amount of evidence. With bunny ears. <laughs> So, um, yeah, you, you pick up a load of evidence as to why you're more shameful. And we just want to take the shame away. Feel no, no shame. shame. That's what we want to do. Yeah. We, we'll, we'll try and do an acapella with that. But no, just going back to the whole idea of shame where you just said, I am bad. Are you mm -hmm. bad? Really, really bad? And the, the whole world needs to Who, write me? No, it's just it's just a Michael Jackson lyric. I just wanted to try and Im implicit more songs into the Feel No Shame podcast. But um, yeah, the cutting edge references <laughs> from the 80s. Um, no, it's been a pleasure, Ro. Um, and I think these are very important um, times uh, mm. coming up because when lockdown is lifted, when things return to some sort of normality, the increase of um, the increase of young people or, or any demographic identifying mental health factors will shoot through the roof I believe this glass ceiling you know I think will there will be a steady increase of um, and, and, and in a way that's good because people are identifying it and people are talking people are identifying the causes um, but I do predict um, that there will be uh, a lot of issues concerning mental health there, there already is but as people yeah. return to some, some sort of normality um, the reports will start coming in and we won't we won't see those um, facts and figures for at least six to 12 months um, but it'll be uh, hopefully this podcast will be the, the starting venture for someone just turning it on when they've got nothing to do or they see something new on on, on Spotify or whatever podcast um, avenue they go down and they listen 
Um, and that's all that's all we want you to do. Listen. Listen and help out if you can. If you do want to get involved in the podcast in any capacity, it's never too late. Email us on feel no shame pod pod. Don't say the letters that uh, feel no shame pod at gmail.com or search for feel no shame pod on Instagram and or Facebook and get in touch with us. Um, we're not a crisis service at all. I should mention that. Um, we, we will have some numbers coming up at the end on our YouTube version of this podcast. Um, but for brevity here, if you do need to speak to somebody um, after listening to this podcast or at any point, any day, any time, please call the Samaritans on 116-123. But if you do want to get involved in our podcast, um, email us or catch up with us on social media. But Alan, do you want to know who's coming up on the pod as well uh, in the future weeks? I am listening with bated breath. Okay, well, we have somebody talking to us about the brain and how suicidal feelings come into the neuroscience. Um, nice. So my little frontal lobe thing comes into play. There we go. We've got a musician um, who's going to be on here. Somebody who has, has used music to deal with her own uh, feelings in the past. We have a poet. We have somebody talking to us about postnatal depression. We have an author. We have somebody willing to talk to us about post-traumatic stress disorder. And we also have some mental health professionals who will um, help us out with how to respond um, like a professional to suicidal thoughts and feelings. You've so been there, thinking, you? Well, look thankfully. At me. Look at me with my <laughs> contact list. I, I'm, I'm in awe of um, the fact that you got more likes on the Facebook than than when you were showing your mugshot off. <laughs> you got more than me. I was like, oh, all right, you know, right. Well, it's not a competition, but keep liking the photographs, everybody. It, it is well, if you could like and share our stuff, that's great. Yes, uh, and um, can I mean any other business? We should have that bit at the end. Any other business? Okay. AOP, any other business? Any other business? You got your jab. I did. I got my vaccination. Um, I got it on Saturday. We're recording this on a Monday. No, it's Tuesday. Tuesday. We've been talking for that long. But, um, yeah, so that gives you an idea of when I got mine. Um, it was a pre-Valentine's Day treat. My own V-Day, vaccine day. And I, yes, it was made available to mental health uh, practitioners working in health and social care on the front line wow. which I do and so it was a very last minute thing I think I booked it on the Thursday um chilled on Friday and then had a needle in my arm on Saturday um I can actually thank everybody involved who was volunteering at the uh Bath race course because it's at the top of a hill and it was minus four degrees wow because it, of the wind tent, when I went there in a big tent and they were all stood outside and they were all jolly and in good spirits and i made sure to thank everybody that i saw there but if if i didn't see you or if you weren't there and if you are listening to this thank you so much for everything that you've done in this mm -hmm. pandemic because you've helped save people's lives um but yeah i got mine and um actually the guy on the desk thought that i said i was a councillor which is like the political version. So he, uh, uh, he, he picked up the walkie-talkie and was about to turf me out, I think. And then I had to say, no, no, I mean a therapist, a counsellor. 
and then he he let me through. But yeah, very good, uh, very professional. It's um, <laughs> a couple of side effects the next day, um, but I ate lots of jelly babies and brownies, and then I was fine. Okay. So that's good. And I'm looking forward to the next one. The next one is the start of May. So by that time, I'll be grand. And I hope everybody else is by then too. Yeah, it's it's, it's lovely when um, you're out and about, when you're dropping things off and going going to pick up the shop in, you know, for the, the, the main essential reasons why you're outside of your house. Um, but seeing the the surgeries and seeing the the, the, the GP offices being used and and queues on of you know of people going in it's lovely it's 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 just a positive thing to see um, but yeah good luck in May that's brilliant um, thank you very much you don't, you don't feel like you're connecting to Bill Gates or anything like that at all or well know? I mean we hang we hung out anyway and, um, oh. and yeah we're very tight me and Bill he didn't want to be on the podcast because I'm making all this up and I don't know if that's allowed I'm oh. allowed to say I'm friends with Bill Gates everybody's friends with Bill Gates everyone everyone's got something from Bill Gates Windows you know we look out of doors doors yeah no no it's it's just a joke it's just you know what i bring to the podcast um but no um fantastic news that you've got it um and yeah uh hopefully the rollout will continue on as quickly and decisively as seem to be going well they are getting a lot of people any other business from yourself al um not from me um just uh uh I know. Ah, actually, yes. I noticed on the last podcast um, that we were just practicing with, I had a bit of a jowl. I was a bit of a. It looked. I looked a bit plumpy, um, and I had a bit of an issue uh, a couple of nights ago, where I was. I fell asleep, and Jade had to constantly wake me up because when I sleep, my mouth goes open, and then I, apparently I stopped breathing. Uh, quite, uh, and and she sent me these these things on on whatsapp saying you've got sleep apnea you can die um and i was there going oh okay uh, gotta get back off the bread and you know and i noticed it on the feel no shame practice pod uh, on social media uh, at feel no shame pod um I, I i i need to do something um and i'm i'm not a spring chicken anymore and i want i want to run around with with you know my boy uh so yeah i'm off the carbs for now uh enjoying the cheese uh and the broccoli and cauliflower with mayonnaise it's lovely and a bit of hot sauce it's absolutely joe wicks um bit of joe wicks uh just watching him <laughs> uh, it just it just helps the, the men- mental mental you know side of things it's wor- working my brain um but no uh i think let's just see how it goes walking around and running a bit more um and yeah just going from there but no that's my business I, I want to get a bit thinner so you might notice a change throughout the episodes i might get thinner and thinner i turn to the side and i disappear um but there you go Al, mm. i love you just the way you are thanks right let's wrap this up so we'll be back next time thank you for yes. listening um and like I said before, get in touch if you want to get in touch. If you have any ideas or suggestions or you want to be a guest or you want to help out in any way, um, we're always open to listening to people. And as Rowan has rightly said, uh, the numbers to contact the uh, external partners uh, will come up on the end of this uh, video version of the podcast. Uh, there will be an audio version being said uh, if you're listening. Uh, on other podcasting channels. But thank you very much. It's been a pleasure.
See you later. Bye-bye. Bye, everyone. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of Feel No Shame. We hope you enjoyed it. And remember, if you feel like you need to speak to anybody after listening to this podcast or at any time, any day, please call the Samaritans on 116-123. Alternatively, please check out the other support services that we recommend at the end of our YouTube videos. Music is by Adobe. I've been Rowan Long with Alan Aldersley-Byrne. Thank you for listening and join us next time for more of the same.